0: member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Albo's most inhuman work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. That it was. And we are back to talk about Execution 13.3. Um, so Blake runs away from his agreed attack on the Duchamps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, he agreed with Molly, that Molly agreed to do for him, that he convinced Molly to do. He just <laughs> abandons that plan, and uh, instead he's uh, just going to do something else that we don't really understand. But it seems to involve finding Mags.
1: Remember that thing I said last episode about how Molly will understand because she's yeah. omniscient? Yeah. Uh, I take it back. She's... I mean, she
0: might, she might understand, but she's not going to accept uh, what's going on. Yeah, I... I... I think he would need to have, like, an actual thought process. His thought process was just, oh, that doesn't look possible. Let's not bother. Let's go do something (laughs) else. Um, And
1: and he jumps immediately to, better go find Mags, the one person Molly would not
0: really want me talking to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's this hilarious quote where Blake Blake kind of reflects on uh, how he's out of the abyss now and it's better because uh, this world isn't actively conspiring against him, and then he rethinks that almost immediately because <laughs> of his karma, which is a great little bit. Well,
1: it's not even the karma. I don't think he has the karma anymore. It's that he's like actively fighting the universe. It's kind of like yeah, hmm, true. Is the universe can actively conspire against me. It's like well, I am kind of trying to take it on one v one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like this. I mean, I think the interesting bit is kind of you know he brings up again how the abyss seems to have this sort of intelligence to it. Yeah, and you know we haven't seen that question mark out of the actual universe. I just wonder if that's a thing, like whether the intelligence of the abyss is going to become a thing. Because it seems fascinating that mm. the the underpinnings of the universe have some sort of intelligence to them, but the main the main part doesn't. Yeah, um, or I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm calling it the main part. I, maybe maybe that's not true. I don't know. Maybe there's another <laughs> level above this where everyone's really happy and they're looking down at like you know, our plane of existence, and they're like, God, that place is miserable.
0: I mean, I hope so. <laughs> um, um, but,
1: yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, this is, like, the first in what what are a number of really, really funny bits in yeah. this chapter. This is a really funny what chapter. What happened
0: in this chapter? Just, like, it has a ton of <laughs> Blake sarcastic
1: jokes that are really good. Yeah, just sarcastic thoughts and, and things he says. Yeah, I don't know. There's just a number of bits in this chapter that made
0: me laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, So Blake uh, basically sends Evan to look for uh, signs that would lead them to the Junior Council, which is what they're looking for. Um, Evan flies off to scout around, and Blake and Evan have some alone time. Sorry, Blake and Green Eyes. Sorry, Sorry, Blake and
1: Green Eyes, you're right. Um, So I'm just going to straight up steal a line from one of our patrons, uh, Isha Moradin, uh, who said in our live read um, that, you know, This only works because Green Eyes loves herself a twiggy back ride,
0: which (laughs) I just love that one. I'm just going to repeat it so everyone can hear it. Yeah. That's 10 out of 10. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of this twiggy back ride, like Green Eyes and Blake have this long conversation over, you know, the next few paragraphs. Uh, In fact, longer than that, because it continues even while they get into a a scrap. Um, And and we've been talking about how Green Eyes is wholesome, but has a lot of red flags. Uh, I don't know. Like... This cha- uh, this chapter to me is very reassuring about Green Eyes. Like she talks about her f- relationship with Blake and how she likes him and and you know would potentially be interested in a relationship with him, but in a way that is very very respectful of his boundaries. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's it's very. She's very cool. She's very chill about it. Yeah,
1: she basically just sort of comes onto him in the the sort of most. Or the least aggressive way possible, which is just, hey, whatever you're down for, uh, I'm down for it too, just let me know, which is a
0: fairly reasonable way to go about it. I yeah, think. not even that, she she kind of seems to have picked up that Blake doesn't, you know, that Blake has some, some issues with some of this stuff and she waited for him to bring up the conversation. She mentioned their relationship, but only in the context of them having a friendship. And it was Blake that kind of took it to the well, actually, let's talk about this kind of level.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. So, yeah, good work, Green Eyes. Good, 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 good work. (laughs) I don't know. Like, (laughs) she's just so non-monstrous.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think because you're right, we have sort of talked about, oh, you know, is she a a good influence or a bad influence and all that? And I think, um, I mean, here she sort of shows a good side. I think maybe, you know, it's probably a bit simplistic to say, oh, the story wants us to see her as a bad thing or, or a good thing she's just uh, another complicated thing another complicated boogeyman yeah uh, and you know she, you know especially as as blake starts to wrangle with that uh with his own nature um this arc a, a lot more than he has in the past i think we're getting more and more of the both sides to you know everything including green eyes
0: yeah definitely um yeah uh, the other thing about this conversation i really like is she kind of starts it up by by saying to blake Like, I wish I had something like your motorcycle. I wish I had something that I was striving for, but I don't. Um, And that's her goal. She wants something. She wants to want something, you know? Um, I think it's a little uh, clingy (laughs) Uh, that that for now Blake is that that blake is the thing that she kind of wants it's defined her wants are defined by wanting to be a good friend to you blake which is a little clingy but i have faith that she's going to find more stuff that she will care about as she uh continues living her life and maybe after uh things quieten down and she doesn't just um go around murdering duchamps all day you know oh yeah this book gives me lots of vibes of things
1: will calm down soon um <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I think, like, she, you know, she sort of gives this whole speech on how she was so disconnected from the world that she basically yeah. fell into the abyss, and that's, uh, that's, like, her whole thing is she's like, I just want something to want because I, I didn't want anything, and that's how I ended up in the abyss, and it's yeah. just sort of another reminder about how important connections are in this world, like, she she didn't have any, and, and she, she slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Um... I mean, I, I don't know, I kind of get it being in that sort of stagnant position where you don't want anything and you just kind of flat and, and you slip through. I think it's a, I don't know, it, it, was a, it was a sort of heavy, heavy thing to start to consider, like Green Eyes' origin story. Um, yeah. You know, and then, of course, in this world, that the, the way you get out of that sort of stagnant position is the abyss comes in to help change you and, you know, oh, it sure <laughs> does a bang up job.
0: <laughs> well, it definitely changes you. That's for yeah. sure. Um, they're not necessarily for the better, I think this is the problem. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Evan kind of loops back around and lets them know that he hasn't found anything yet, but he has seen that there are some goblins around here that are probably coming in this direction. So keep an eye out. Um, and then Evan flies off again. Um, and sure enough, Blake and Green Eyes get attacked by these goblins and, uh, use this opportunity to discuss their uh, potential, uh, relationship yeah um the goblins are just kind
1: of an inconvenience towards this conversation that they continue (laughs) anyway or at least green eyes really does blake kind of spends half of it being like you're still really talking about this um Mm. there's there's a few bits i want to pull out from here because like there's a lot of interesting stuff in this conversation uh i think the first one is you know we're really starting to see blake reconcile that some bits of him are real and some aren't i think he'd Ever since Arc Nine, he's just sort of been I'm not real, and even after the revelation, uh in Arc Twelve, he sort of hadn't quite clicked until I think his conversation with Rose, yeah, where he's he's seen stuff, he's seen himself like, oh, wait, you know, there are bits of me that are real, and I, I think maybe the pivotal point of that was when he he realized that Ross was was a guy,
0: yeah, uh, I, and
1: it sort of validated his existence to himself a bit more. I guess it's I
0: I definitely think that that is the case because this chapter, the way he reacts to being touched by green eyes, seems to be more of a, I'm not going to, not, not a regression, that's kind of too negatively tinted, but seems to be more in line with how he was before he found out he was fake, rather than, um, for example, an arc or two arcs ago. He seemed to more or less have put it behind him. Like, But the fact that it possibly happened to Ross me- has seemed to make it more real to Blake again.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem to directly upset him, but he sort of takes that bit where he's like, you know, oh, this should be upsetting me, which is which is a bit more than we've gotten. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because, like, I, you know, I think we've been talking about for ages now, this whole, like, oh, you've got to start to, you know, actually do this fight between your boogeyman nature and your, your human nature. And we've just seen it go more and more boogeyman. And it's like, ever since this conversation with Rose where his existence got a little bit more validated. Now we're finally seeing it. Like I, I think the last two chapters it's sort of been um Blake actually having that war and, and confronting the fact that there's now Boogeyman parts to him and his original self in there. Uh, and he's he's finally starting to sort of progress
0: back up the other way a bit. Yeah, I mean I think another piece of evidence this chapter that shows that he's starting to maybe go in that direction is um he gets cut by a goblin and bleeds. And yeah. and he yeah. and we are surprised by this. This is very much a bit of a human thing, right? Like, <laughs> um, of course, there's also a moment where he gets stabbed through the throat and it heals up in a matter of seconds. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you, you take the pros and cons where you can find them, I guess. Yeah,
1: well, exactly. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it would be like to ever go back to just being a full human. Like, I yes. think what what we've been arguing for the last few arcs is some balance like picking picking bits of each and, and whatnot and, and that sort of seems to finally be what he's doing he's starting to not just be overwhelmed and and sort of co- uh, like succumb to the pressure um of becoming a boogeyman um yeah so i'm
0: really excited to keep following this uh presumably throughout this whole arc yeah hopefully um <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah maybe he does kind of seem to go around killing more duchamp husbands at the end of the chapter though so we'll see
1: yeah, we'll talk about that. I, I have, I have, I have some questions. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about that, and I'm not sure what to do with them yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> the so the other thing I wanted to talk about here is like, uh, you know, as we get more info on Green Eyes, I I just keep noticing more and more similarities between Green Eyes and Tiff. Mm. Like I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm just making stuff up, but. Uh, particularly since the whole like uh, in 12.8 when she reacted really negatively to the smell of alcohol on that one lady. Yeah. And there was sort of this implication that her past may have involved, you know, alcohol, presumably like alcoholic parents or something. Yeah. Um,
0: I I actually had this exact same thought when I was writing up the bit in the notes that we just talked about, about, um, green eyes very nice, being seemingly very respectful of Blake's boundaries and issues around you know touching and, and physical intimacy, um, which reminded me a lot of uh, you know their conversations at the coffee shop and, and this stuff that where it was them kind of trying to navigate a a, a potentially uh, minefield of a relationship. Mm, um, mm. I, I don't know what it means though, right? Like, what's the what's uh, the meaning to be extrapolated from this? No, exactly. I feel like I feel you know we
1: had that whole bit in uh, I think it was twelve or six or so with uh, Tiffany arguing with Ellie, and yeah. it kind of felt like we we started to bring up this thread of Tiff's past and then sort of dropped it. And I still think maybe we'll come back to that. And yeah. if we do, maybe that's when it will start to click with Green Eyes. Perhaps I don't know. I just think there's 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 some similarities between these two characters that I think we uh, the story might start to compare them a bit um maybe something to do with uh taking agency in
0: in how mm. you sort of uh live your life i don't know or maybe tiffany you know like something goes horribly wrong for her and then she gets sent back in time and becomes green eyes <laughs> <laughs> they're actually one character sure if this was doctor who it, i'd give it good odds <laughs> um tiffany fights jeremy that's where the bad experience with alcohol comes from then somehow gets sent back in time becomes a mermaid and now we're here yeah alistair sends her back in time it's all coming together <laughs> it's all connected um, um yeah so let's move on shall we um I, I i also want to pull out uh why it's i guess the question is so now blake and and green eyes fight these goblins um and it's it's a fight that they win fairly handedly, but I I, I think it's interesting to analyse why Wildbo chose to put goblins, a goblin fight here, right? Um, what's the purpose of this? Um, and so I was thinking about this, and, and I think, again, this is another, we're kind of reopening this wound of human Blake versus boogie Blake. Um, and I think this fight with these goblins is a chance to kind of justify Blake's Murder of the Duchamp Husbands, which is basically how, what he's been doing for the past few chapters, right? Mm, um, mm. Because this is his inhuman side, going around and hunting the, in air quote, monsters, which really just means the Duchamp Husbands now. Um, goblins are kind of a symbol of being, like, comically villainous. And so the fact that, you know, there's a Duchamp Husband who is a Goblin King is kind of, in some way, justifying, Blake killing more Duchamp husbands. Like, every Duchamp husband we've seen has been a piece of shit practitioner, right? Like, the necromancers, the ogre shamans, mm. um, like, they're all bad. <laughs> they're all seemingly really do the, like, dark side of pra- of the practice.
1: Yeah, I mean, we haven't seemed to run into any of the nice Duchamp husbands yet. Um, yeah. There are a few chill ones way back in arc three, uh, that we met. Wait, who? Um,
0: or or they just, or fam-
1: they Baham, no, they were Baham family members. Yeah, they were, we've never, never
0: seen a chill Duchamp husband. They, um, um, actually, I want to talk about this, we've, uh, spoiler alert, we've put out a comment, we've done some comment dives for, for our bonus bit this chapter, and I put out a comment about this, and I really want to touch on it later, so I think put a okay. bit in this one, and we'll get to some comments well, later that deal with it.
1: Okay, I do just want to quickly say that we find out one of them's called, like, a, or one of them's a Goblin King. And it's just kind of like as if the premise for this family wasn't already terrible enough. Now we find out all their husbands are extra shitbags. It's, um, yeah, yeah,
0: right? Like, uh, we haven't <laughs> seen a good Duchamp husband except Jeremy, and we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's the standout, which is, um,
1: I mean, it, it wasn't what I would have expected when we hit Sandra's interlude, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's interesting. We sort of get reprimed in this this whole fight with the goblins for how shit the Duchamp husbands are. And, yeah, yeah, actually, let's wait till we get to where he meets Joyce, uh, Joyce and her sister again, because I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about there.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so these goblins, you know, catch up to Blake and Green Eyes, and, and there's a fight. Uh, the goblins basically get completely trounced. Um, <laughs> Blake and Green Eyes actually make a really, really solid pair. So, again, more evidence that they would be a, a great couple. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, It's it reminds me of, we like, we've pulled out a few times when Blake has actually just worked really well with people. He did it with um, Mags and, and uh, Rose for a bit. Um, obviously, he always seems to work really well with Evan. And it seems that Green Eyes, again, like, fits that bill. They just seem to get each other and, and work well as a murder duo. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was very impressed
1: by both of them. Uh Blake fits in some snark in various bits uh, yep. in the, of this fight as well. Um yeah, I don't know. This is just a really action-heavy bit, but it's really it's really good action.
0: Blake and Grey Eyes uh absolutely kick ass. Um yeah, again, Blake does some good snark. Uh I, I kind of start thinking that um the c- confrontation with Rose has somehow made him like less like he doesn't give a shit as much. He's more apathetic, <laughs> and maybe that leads to him just making some snarkier comments. Who knows? Yeah.
1: Well, so again, something that happened on on our Discord, um, recently was uh Kipos, uh, one of our patrons, yeah, went on a big spiel about uh one point one, and it was it was really great. Like I, I, it had been too long since I sort of looked at that chapter, and uh, Kipos pulled out a bunch of uh, stuff. It was such stuff. a great thread. Yeah, and now now we know so much more about Ross slash Blake. Uh, it was really interesting to sort of re-examine it. Um, and one thing I really picked out was Ross slash Blake back then. Uh, it was pretty snarky. Like, s- arguably some of the best lines in the story so far were in 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, like, I still remember the bit where Granny Rose sort of comes out after meeting all the heirs and she's like, I'm very disappointed. And uh, Ross sort of goes, don't worry, the feeling's mutual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Like, th- this might be a sign that, uh, Blake is getting some of the humanity back because it feels like it's a very old school
0: Ross move to, to have this sort of snark. Yeah. Um, one thing that I really liked about, about, uh, this thread that Kipos, uh, wrote was, um, was the, the discussion about, uh, about something I hadn't noticed, which was that Ross was very, like, patient in his conversation with Granny Rose, he he was not quick to anger. He was kind of doing some verbal takedowns, but he wasn't like being- It was um, very deliberate. Yeah, exactly. Which th- s- reminded me that this is just not the Blake we know at all. And so I'm kind of surprised it didn't jump out a little more as like, hey, this seemed a little out of character. Now we obviously understand <laughs> why. And so I yeah. think um, the thing to to pay attention to in terms of the humanity is the patience. Like if we see Blake- slowing down being more patient being less aggressive that's the the key sign to me that he is regaining some humanity here Mm. yeah
1: maybe i mean the most human we've ever seen him was the first seven arcs of the book and he wasn't a very patient person
0: (laughs) it's true
1: uh, uh, back then
0: i feel like he was more patient
1: at least (laughs) Um. Yeah. Sure. Although I'm willing to attribute that. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I just don't think it may not be quite as simple as getting back to what he was. Like I think that's maybe the yeah. really interesting thing here is. Uh, yeah. Sure. He sort of gets to redefine
0: himself a bit from scratch in a way, and that could be really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. uh They. They. Uh. Fight these goblins. They beat these goblins, and Blake. Uh. Basically says to them, "Hey, either surrender yourself and agree to not ever hurt anyone again." or become a weapon and they both decide to become weapons wanting to hurt more people <laughs> like it's like all right two more uh, tools for my arsenal uh yeah
1: uh it, you know this is starting to become a pattern um i guess if you're going to be like a serial killer collecting trophies goblins yeah. are not the worst uh, <laughs> demographic to target yeah. um but uh, it's just, it's just interesting like it jumped out to me is so different from uh 12.8 Where, you know, he sort of gave Joyce a chance and then just murdered everyone while sort of talking to them. Whereas with the goblins, he had this third option of turning them into weapons that Mm. he didn't really have with the humans, so
0: he just had to kill them. And he didn't even, like, I think it's fair to say he didn't even give those Duchamps as much of a chance as he has given these goblins. Like, isn't that wild? Like he he's taken this <laughs> f, this uh, mission of kill the monsters, and now that only seems to apply to practitioners. He he doesn't. He's more reluctant to kill others at this point than he is to kill practitioners. Yeah,
1: I mean, because uh, like, you could make the argument that it's like, oh, well, it's just in goblins' nature. Um, they don't know better, whereas humans have a choice. Mm. Um, but that, that that almost makes me more upset because it means he's completely given up on any sort of rehabilitatory, uh yeah. methods. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he sort of, remember, he did have that whole speech with some of them, uh, I think it was the two brothers, where he was like, tell me that I could consider you good people and I won't kill you. Um, yeah, true. So, I mean, he, he, it wasn't a completely ruthless thing, but then also that was that was a harsher sort of thing than the goblins got, I, I agree. Although the goblins have this option of turning into weapons. Um, I don't know if humans get that choice. Uh, I'm sure they can figure out
0: a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... I think another thing to note is uh, Blake gets stabbed in the throat, and it heals very quickly. He can't talk for a little bit, but uh, it seems to heal within minutes. Um, and it's covered. Wait, it, what he got stabbed in is covered in like blood and
1: and and shit, and it's gross.
0: Oh yeah, definitely gross. Like that um, just
1: makes it that just makes it more crazy that it heals so fast because yes. that shit should be infected. Yeah, there's least, no infection or anything, in-
0: which you would think <laughs> goblins basically aim to deliver infections whenever they can yeah i think Um, that was what happened to mags and signature yes so uh i I don't know it just kind of it stood out to me because this is quicker than we've seen him heal from things before uh we saw him heal from a few things in the uh in duress when the house was being attacked but even that he seemed to have to kind of negotiate with the abyss or with his spirits to get that to happen Um, yeah so it seems to me that because this healed so quickly the abyss must be pretty happy with him i mean that's maybe a bit of a jump to assume that's the reason but seems to make sense which basically means he's the cleaver guy from last chapter.
1: <laughs> um I think like he he sort of starts to get his speech back when the goblins start to get scared. Like I think it's just mm. fueled by the fear he instills in them maybe. Um sure. so it's that sort of it's this weird catch 22 he's got where the more he scares people, the more invulnerable he is and the scarier he is. So he just <laughs> needs to sort of start off being scary and it's this positive feedback loop he might be yeah. able to get into.
0: <laughs> Once he scares the first person, it just rolls out of control from there. Yeah, Yeah, that's much. a fair read. Maybe it is more to do with the fear. Although I don't think those two are completely disconnected. Um, presumably, scaring yeah, people fair. is serving the abyss as well. Well, yeah, you're right. I, I probably just
1: thought of a different way of expressing the same idea, because that does seem to be what the Abyss wants him to do.
0: Yes. Um, So Blake and Green Eyes uh, basically see uh, see Evan being chased by a gargoyle and uh, kill it, or Green Eyes kills it, and Evan shows them that he has found uh, basically a a protected area that he thinks the junior council is in. It's it's a hidden street like that hidden uh, bookshelf in the Hillsglade House library that definitely is still okay and hasn't burned to the ground
1: (laughs) yeah what's going on up there uh there's too many there's too many major problems in this town um i I always love seeing this space warp stuff like that did my head in in god it was like 1.2 yeah it would have been real early uh and i love the idea in this like when evan just flies straight at it and he and he comes back the same way like he doesn't turn around he just keeps flying forward and ends up doing a one eighty. Ah, uh, it feels like yep. uh, like when you hit like weird boundaries in video games, and
0: the game just turns you around or something. It's <laughs> it's so fun, yeah, um, yeah. It's hilarious. Um, and so, okay, before we get to that though, there's this bit where Green Eyes talks about how she would love a chicken nugget, kind of making a joke at Evan's expense, but Evan doesn't get it, and it's this classic Evan move of when he doesn't get a joke he will just continue to pester people until they let him in <laughs> on the joke and this has happened yeah. so many times with every person that's joined Blake's like team um it's like a it's an initi- it's, it's an initiation ritual at this point um <laughs> and uh yeah green Ice gets her turn so now she's officially a member of Blake's cabal i think um good for her question mark um <laughs> yeah it doesn't turn out so well f- for most people so <laughs>
1: uh yeah i don't know uh like yeah it's another
0: really funny bit in this chapter as we sort of already touched
1: on yeah
0: um so blake realizes that he is immune from this spell um from this misdirection spell and basically goes in without uh without evan and green eyes because they can't come in um which is good work blake (laughs) yeah it's, it's it's vintage blake just uh hey guys i'm going in and then they're yeah. like, when,
1: when will you be back? And he's like, do you have a watch? No. And it's like, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Why would you
0: ask such a stupid question, Evan? <laughs> Fuck. Um, no, it, it is a Blake move. But then again, he couldn't take them with him. So maybe we're being a bit too hard on him.
1: He could have taken the extra five seconds he would have needed to explain it better.
0: No, um, there's no time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. He could have. Um, I actually also like, as Blake starts to realise what's going on, he says, they're being redirected, I said. It's almost impressive. My head canon on this is that Blake was going to say that it was impressive, but then realised he actually wasn't impressed and he didn't want to lie, so he had to pivot at the last second. Which I think, honestly, <laughs> this is impressive, Blake. You're allowed to... It's it's impressive. I'd call it impressive. He has one of these at home. That's not oh, that yeah. impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, he's seen better ones with the same, uh time bubble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so Blake heads inside uh, and finds Joyce's sister, uh, who basically <laughs> reveals that <laughs> uh, Joyce has been just, like, um, sitting on the floor doing nothing, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Um, anyway, so uh, he kind of starts to negotiate with these two and basically is like, yeah, I killed your husband. Yeah, I killed your uncle. I'm going to kill some more husbands. And they're all like, okay, come on in. We like you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um- you're right, that, that bit where, you, where we find out Joyce has just kind of been sitting on the uh, sitting there staring at the ground, not moving, is kind of equal parts hilarious and just kind of horrifying. You're like, oh, my yeah. God. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, it's better than killing her, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that that's the really interesting thing about this whole section to me is Blake simultaneously kind of gets rewarded for sparing Joyce. Like, this whole bit goes a lot better. But then he also gets rewarded for having killed all these other husbands because pretty much, like, I love the, <laughs> I love Joyce's sister's reaction where she's like, you killed my husband? That wasn't Joyce's call to make. But then she pretty much immediately from there is like less tense. Like she, yeah. she, the vibe I got is very much that she thinks that this
0: is a net positive result. What a thing to say to the person who killed your husband. Oh, my sister shouldn't have told yeah. you nope. to do that. Oh. That wasn't her
1: call. Yeah. I, I needed to make that call.
0: Yeah what, a, um, yeah. what a what a like a weird like it's so immediately obvious that she she doesn't give a shit that her husband is dead at all.
1: Yeah, she's just annoyed. That she wasn't consulted. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I I really so like good. how you know as we're sort of seeing Blake wrestle with these two sides of himself. Here we get this example of where it's kind of working for him both ways. Like he he's getting rewarded for uh the gruesome murders that he did, he's also kind of getting rewarded for having spared Joyce. So he's he's kinda yeah. getting rewarded for picking the right monsters or something. I don't know. It's just it's just really interesting to see him kind of uh you know, as he's struggling with these two sides to himself see that they both have their pros and cons.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um and I think that's again one of the themes of this chapter is he's kind of in between again and he's he's facing it seems that the the decision he made to dive fully into his otherness was not as permanent as we thought. Mm, thank God. Um, so he's again being offered a uh, few paths. Um, so uh turns out uh, Lola Duchamp is here and sort of, so are the rest of the junior council. They're all Skyping like a bunch of uh, junior council members, like the cool young kids that they are. These Um, newfangled councils and their teleconferencing. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Blake basically asks, hey, can I uh, join the meeting? And also, can I get a phone to dial in some more Thorburns?
1: (laughs) Just what every council needs. Uh, Yeah. Again. Uh, he gets nothing out of Lola until he mentions that he killed her uncles and then she's kind of like, okay, I'm listening. Um <laughs> and, he, and he basically threatens to kill her fiance as well. Yeah. And she's like Not mm-hmm. threatens,
0: offers, I
1: think. Well, yes, actually you're right. That's a you're right, that's a much better word for it. <laughs> um <laughs> like but, yeah. yeah I, I don't know, you get the impression from the way that this segment ends that it's like, is Blake kind of setting himself up to be the Andy and Eva of the Junior Council. Like, I almost get the impression he's basically going to join the meeting and be like, righto, what's the hit list look like? I'm on it. Well, yeah. I I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to see what his plan is.
0: It's interesting. I don't know, because, like, the framing for this is, at the end of last chapter, he looked at Sandra and Jeremy and said, okay, I can't attack them directly. There has to be another way. And so that implies to me this is his plan to deal with the Duchamps. And so there's kind of two reads on that. Either it's... He thinks dealing with the Duchamp husbands is enough to depower them so that, you know, it, it's a it's a way to deal with them while also keeping them sort of on side. Or the other read is that he's being a lot more sly than we're giving him credit for right now. And this is um, a way of either turning the Duchamps against each other or, or doing some other high level plays that removes all the Duchamps. Because regardless of how many Duchamp husbands it, he kills, like that's not going to depower Sandra and Jeremy. They're still going to be out there doing their shit, you know?
1: Oh yeah, but a huge part of their strength is is the assets that they have on hand. No, um, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I think he's setting up some sort of um, perhaps Duchamp civil war. Mm. Like I think what's interesting is if if he starts targeting the husbands and some of the husbands get wind that some of the Duchamps may be a part of it, yeah. um, that could devolve very quickly. Yes, uh, so that's that. That that might be the plan. That's sort of the best case scenario. I'm, I'm still not sure exactly what his hope is with connecting the Thorburns to the Junior Council. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to see <laughs> what kind of what, a
0: plan is that anyway.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know what he's thinking, but I, I I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm getting the impression that uh, uh, we might be heading towards weakening the Duchamps because if you can so discord amongst the family i mean you know it's it's a family built on eggshells because well, yeah you know they're,
0: they've all been married off to people they hate uh, well not all of them but yeah. seemingly most it, um <laughs> when you force your daughters to marry literally the worst of the worst like i don't know what do you expect
1: yeah so i don't know i think this could be really fun and then again like i i think this will be great because sandra and jeremy have been built up as such a strong relationship i don't think they will ever crack even if like yes sort of the rest of the husbands start to turn on the family yeah Uh, and so they'll kind of be the final boss in a way because you won't they'll lose maybe even if they lose all the rest of their resources i think those two will still be together and they'll still be strong and that'll be really interesting
0: i I basically can't see a situation where jeremy joins the duchamp husbands in their revolution or whatever it ends up being right no me either. Yeah. Uh anyway, um there were some really, really great comments in the in the uh the comment chain, I guess, under this chapter. And so we wanted to dive into some of these comments to to prompt some talking points that we had stuff to say on. Um and I'm mm-hmm. gonna talk about mine first because I thought it was really interesting. It was basically a, a thread with a few people in it like Sir Fuente, uh Nick012000, a guy called Guy. Um and and it, the thread was basically talking about Duchamp husbands, how the Duchamps view their husbands, and and whether the Duchamp husbands are actually monsters, in air quotes. Um, hmm. And I, obviously the answer to that kind of is, it depends. But there was this really <laughs> interesting comment made by Nick012000, who said that, like, who kind of reminded us that back in Sandra's interlude, Jeremy, at the height of his, you know, potential and power, was mentioned as being one of the worst Candidates that they've ever had, like one of the most uncouth candidates, um not even for for his level of power, but just because he was like theoretically uncouth. And mm. now we've seen other Duchamp husbands, like that's insane to me. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy yeah. is clearly the best of all of them. They're all such pieces of shit. Like I, this is crazy. Do you think? Do you think that
1: may have been a bit of a tipping point? Like because Jeremy, I think, clearly worked out. Yes. Um. Like Sandra came very close to becoming uh the the wife of the Lord of Toronto. Do yeah. you think maybe the family pivoted direction a bit after Jeremy worked out? And it's like, oh, it actually turns out that you know some of these uh people might seem gross or whatever, but Sandra seems relatively happy, and she, you know she got really close to a lot of power. Maybe we've got to expand out to to less nice people, and now there's just a bunch of them stuck with necromancers and goblin kings. It's like, how the fuck did we get here?
0: Yeah, I, I suspect possibly not so uh, intentionally, but I, I I can't imagine there wouldn't be a Duchamp conversation where a young Duchamp lady says, oh, but I'm worried about him. He's a goblin king. Like, he seems like a bit of shitbag. And they say, oh, Sandra, tell us about how well your marriage has worked out. And she's like, yeah, it's great. We love each other, sort of, uh, even though I thought he was uncouth. And so it kind of, like, reinforces a bit just because it worked out this one time. Mm. Yeah, I
1: I don't know. It, it's a good point. Um, I mean, it may have just been like, I, I think there probably are Duchamps who get pretty great husbands. They're just not the ones that Blake is having to interact with because they're
0: presumably somewhat happy. Yeah, they're um, off like living a happy life in yeah, Ontario yeah. or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I, I love that. I love that idea. Just like reflecting on, yeah, the Duchamps must really have their priorities warped if they think Jeremy is one of the worst cases
1: yeah yeah I mean he's he's the best we've seen so far um and so I've pulled out a comment, um, uh, and you know there were some responses, but it was really started by um Bart, mm-hmm. eat my shorts, am I right? yes, uh the one and only um and and Bart started talking about how well, they were speculating on what Green Eyes' blackfish might have been or or what mm. it was wanting her to confront, which I thought was was really interesting, especially since uh it's the only black thing that has taken the form of a fish that we've seen and yet we call them all black fishes um
0: <laughs> i mean we haven't even seen
1: it we just heard green eyes talk about it right yeah exactly um it could be a dolphin she could be completely wrong um but yeah i mean so 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 bart kind of went on this whole uh came up with this whole sort of story about how green eyes might have gotten drunk um and been responsible for a kid like she was babysitting or something she got drunk and the kid died, and. Yeah, and that was sort of what led her to be ostracized from her community, um, or something. And I think it's a really interesting idea. I, I don't know if that's quite like I, I don't know if I believe that that is probably exactly it. Which some of the other commenters, um, felt the same. But like I, in general, I think the idea is is a, a really good one. Like you know, she obviously has some truth in her past that she hasn't confronted, given the mm. whole blackfish thing. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, we know she doesn't like alcohol, so that's presumably some sort of factor. But um yeah, I don't know. I just really liked sitting here and pondering what it might be. I think we'll never find out because Blake cheated. Um uh, yeah. and got her out without her having to
0: confront it, so now she'll never know. Did the cheat code for her. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I I I like the elements that come together in Bart's speculation, but it doesn't feel like it's like it feels like it's still very much a speculation because we haven't really had any info besides the fact that alcohol may have been involved in either her mistakes or in her upbringing um yeah yeah i i want to find out more you know i i want more <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
1: i agree i feel i feel like i feel about that in so many parts of this story though um so you know
0: yeah yeah it's i think and i mean i'll say it again the the world in pact is it's so it's just so good like i yeah this is why i i'm comfortable saying that it's my favorite of wild bow stories is because i know the breakneck pace can be a bit much for people and there's all this stuff but fuck man the world of pact is just so on point yeah i i'd agree this is
1: the one i've grown the most attached to and you know you could argue there's reasons for that like the way we're covering the story, and as we discussed when we first started the podcast, my bias towards yeah. this sort of story, but i this world is is so fantastic and and this story in it is fantastic as well, but the world building here is just so cool. yeah, like i could I could read a hundred more stories like this in this world, I think, yeah, without.
0: I could do a hundred more monster corners, you know, of just like yeah. hey where how does this thing tie in, and what's the law of this, and why why is it like this impact like anyway, um yeah. That's the end of our show uh, on this great book that we call Pact. Um, If you want to uh, leave a comment uh, on this episode, or hey, leave an answer to our discussion question, which is talking about, does Rose actually have the heart and soul in this partnership? Um, A lot of people have interpreted that question differently and left very different answers, which I quite like. So feel free to do that by leaving your answer in our discussion thread, which you can see in the... uh, comments in our show notes down below yep and if you want to keep up on what's
1: happening with the show you know if an episode's coming out late or or what have you or if you're interested in some live reads head on over to twitter uh, at media Infinity podcast is where you can find
0: us yep um and if you want to find out more about all the great shows on the Doof Media Network, you can head to doofmedia.com, where you can see all the other great shows, including the Doofcast, which is about to release an episode on uh, She-Ra, the new She-Ra series. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I actually started that show for for this episode. Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah. Nice. I- I'm actually yeah. really
0: liking it. Um, I've been meaning to catch up on a few of these shows that are kind of like uh wholesome. Uh what's the way of describing these shows, right? Like wholesome young adult shows like your uh she your Steven Universe, a bunch of these shows that I feel yeah. like I've just kind of missed out on.
1: No, no, I'm the same, and, and I've started with she and I'm, I'm really digging it so far. Um
0: I'm I'm keen to hear Matt and Scott talk about it. Awesome. Um another great show on the Doof Media Network is What You Say, which has just got a new episode out about the secret. Would you like to know what the secret is, Elliot? Uh bad writing. No. And I can't tell you, it's a secret. You have to listen to the episode to find it.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. Uh, and if you want to support all these great shows on the Doof Media Network, patreon.com forward slash Media. Mm-hmm. That's the place to go.
0: Yeah. Uh, being on our Patreon gets you access to all kinds of cool things, like the Doof Discord, the Doof uh, Minecraft channel, eh? um, the uh, monthly Doof and Chill streams. The next one is happening in about a week. So check that out. Um, all kinds of cool stuff. Um Also, if you're looking for perks, there's no perkier place to go than Wildbow's Patreon at patreon.com slash wildbow, because of course, the perk that you get from supporting Wildbow is knowing that you contributed to the great worlds of all these great stories. So uh, check that out if you have the time.
1: Yes, and so apart from that, we'll see everyone on Monday, the 11th of the 11th to (gasps) discuss Execution 13.4.
0: Make a wish. Not this again.